We continue in our series, Changed Lives. And our theme tonight, a nobody who became a somebody. She who touched the hem of the Savior's garment and was made completely whole. And as we study this story, I'm impressed that it has such significance in the mind of God that the Holy Spirit has caused Matthew and Mark and Luke to tell this story with remarkable vividness and tenderness. It's a story which wonderfully illustrates the touch of faith and the triumph of faith. I want you to notice, first of all, what I'm going to call the woman's trial of faith. The woman's trial of faith. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. The writer to the Hebrews tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And in that sense, we all live by faith. And the strength of our faith is determined by the object of our faith. If the object of our faith is poor, our faith is poor. Likewise, if the object of our faith is strong, our faith is strong. And it's interesting to trace the trial of this woman's faith. For at the point at which we meet this woman, her faith had utterly failed in everything else but Jesus. Physically, her faith had failed. And a woman came behind and touched the border of his garment. What woman? A woman having an issue of blood 12 years. The fact that 12 years are specifically mentioned here seems to suggest that there was a time in this woman's life when she was healthy and strong and well. And then suddenly, or perhaps gradually, the plague, as Mark calls it, afflicted her. And little by little, that woman's life ebbed out. She was being killed gradually. And a woman who once had great faith in her body and in her strength, like all of us do when we're fit, discovered that you can't trust your body. Ultimately, it'll fail you. Her physical faith had failed her. What is more, medically, her faith failed. We read this, and it's interesting, a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians. Neither could be healed of any one of them. And while we thank God for what is being done in the area of medicine, all life is given by God, all life is sustained by God, and all life is preserved by God. And all healing finally is from God. But for those who don't understand this, it's amazing how very soon faith fails in physicians and in doctors and in nurses. You see, it's narrowing down the trial of her faith. Physically, her faith had failed. Medically, her faith had failed. Financially, her faith had failed. Listen again to the text, which had spent all her living upon physicians. Mark tells us when she had spent all all that she had. She may have been a very wealthy woman, we don't know. But the story tells us that her wealth gradually dwindled to nothingness. Why? 
because she was paying countless doctor's bills. Financially, her faith had gone. She couldn't trust money any longer, nor doctors, nor the restorative powers of her body, for life was ebbing away fast and sure. But look once again, religiously her faith had failed. There came a woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. Look at your Old Testament very carefully, especially Leviticus chapter 15, 19 through to 30, and you'll discover that there was a law of cleanliness laid down concerning people in this very situation. And according to this law, this woman was ceremonially defiled and unclean. And because it went on year after year, she couldn't possibly approach the temple. She couldn't possibly see the priest. These rules and regulations that demanded the law of cleanliness prohibited her from having any religious help whatsoever. And religiously her faith failed until Jesus comes. My friend, however you like to interpret the story, it's the story of life. Because when God wants to get you to meet his son, Jesus Christ, he, through his sovereignty and prerogative, will strip you one after another of all the things until you can't trust anybody else but Jesus. Physically, her faith had gone. Medically, her faith had gone. Financially, her faith had gone. Religiously, her faith had gone. Where could she turn? Nowhere but to Jesus. Some people try philosophy. Other people will try all manner of scientific investigation. Other people will try culture. Other people will try fame. Other people will try pleasure. Other people will try sex. But all and all, it comes down to this, that when we're stripped completely of everything, there's only one who can meet our need, and that is Jesus. God shatters our faith before he salvages our faith. God shuts us up to his son, Jesus Christ. The woman's trial of faith. But come with me a little further. From the woman's trial of faith, we learn that this woman heard concerning Jesus. Mark specifically states this. She heard concerning Jesus. And having heard concerning Jesus, she said, my doctors have failed me, my money has failed me, my religion has failed me, my health has failed me, but here is one who never fails. And she made for Jesus. The woman's touch of faith. And she came behind him and touched the border of his garment, the hem of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood was staunched. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Or more literally, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the gospel of Christ. The good news of Jesus had spread across the country. And a woman who once had her faith in doctors and in money and in anything else... But Jesus Christ discovered that the only one who could help her, she heard the good news, was Jesus. And she came, and she saw the Savior in the thick of the crowd. And one look at his face, and faith was born in her. Why? Because the Hebrew writer tells us, looking off unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, nobody looks away to Jesus without the birth of faith. And so she came, and the story says... That pushing her way through that milling crowd, 
and approaching the Savior from behind, she touched the hem of his garment. I want us to look at this touch for a moment. And I want you to notice in the first place that it was an individual touch. Peter said, both in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Master, Master, the people are thronging you. How sayest thou, somebody has touched me? The curious crowd pressing in upon the Savior, jostling for positions, were touching the Savior all the way around. But amongst all those pressures and all those touches, there was one touch that was recognized by the Lord Jesus as the touch of faith. It was an individual touch. I want you to notice in the second place that it was an intentional touch. Mark tells us that she came from behind in the press and touched the border of his garment. My friends, this little soul with all the courage of anyone you'll find in the New Testament, sick after 12 years, with her life ebbing away from her, weak undoubtedly, possibly bent over, was brave enough and strong enough and of set purpose to go clean through that milling crowd, that jostling crowd, until she found the spot she wanted to touch. Now I know the Bible teaches that we're saved by grace, through faith, and not of works. I know that. But I also know this, that the Bible teaches me that nobody drifts into a living relationship to Jesus Christ. Nobody drifts into a saving, living relationship to Jesus Christ. It's got to be intentional. It's got to be purposeful. It's not a matter of desire. It must be a matter of determination. For determination, not desire, controls our destiny. And until a man, with his mind convinced, his heart stirred, and his will surrendered, moves out to Jesus Christ with intentional purpose. I see nothing in the Bible that says he's ever going to receive that virtue, that power, which saves and heals. It was an individual touch. It was an intentional touch. But notice, supremely, it was an intelligent touch. She touched the border of his garment. I don't know why God has called us to stand behind a desk like this and communicate the message as such to men and women sitting in an audience or in the open air or wherever they happen to be, but I know this, that the Bible tells me that God has been pleased by the foolishness of preaching to save them that are lost. And though there is no virtue in preaching in and of itself, yet God has been pleased to mediate the virtue of Christ, the power of Christ, through preaching. And people come and they touch, as it were, the border of the Savior's garment by listening to a message like tonight. And a miracle happens. Don't tell me how it happens, for it's a miracle. She touched the hem of his garment. It was intelligent. It was intelligent. But there is another thing I want to say before we come to our last thought. This touch was not only individual, intentional, and intelligent. It was inconspicuous. Very interesting that all the gospel writers, I think, say that she came behind. It was inconspicuous. 
Once a person has exercised faith in Christ and received the grace of salvation, inherent in that grace of salvation is the very power to confess Christ before men. But the actual transaction that takes place between a soul and God is always secret, always hidden. And I believe more people have been put off in gospel service and evangelistic services by trying to make people come to something spectacular, dramatic, or sensational in that initial touching of the Savior's garment. When the Savior described the miracle of the new birth, he put it right beyond any ability for anybody to see it or to understand it. The wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. And just as that wind works, so the Holy Spirit works in the heart that touches the hem of the Savior's garment. It's the encounter of a soul with Jesus Christ. In the silence of the heart, a transaction takes place. She touched the hem of the garment. She touched. And something happened to her. That, my friend, is the touch of faith. We've looked at the woman's trial of faith. We've looked at the woman's touch of faith. Ah, let's conclude with a woman's triumph of faith. And we read, Jesus said, somebody has touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people, all the people, for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace or go into peace. The triumph of her faith. The Bible tells us, my friend, that the triumph of faith is ever and always that of open confession. Nobody has come into real, full salvation until there's the open confession. And we see it shown in two ways. First of all, the salvation that she experienced. Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. The word reads literally, daughter, thy faith hath saved thee. Thy faith has saved thee. And I want you to notice the three ingredients in this wonderful salvation. There was the ingredient of health. She was healed immediately. And my friend, spiritual health will only come to you when you have really made that touch of faith. That's part of God's saving benefit. Spiritual health. But notice not only that, in that salvation was not only health, but cheer. Daughter, be of good cheer. The word is cheer. It's one of the grand words of the New Testament that speaks of the joy that comes, that comes to somebody who has met Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, my friend, you'll never know the joy that bubbles with that inexpressible, inexpressible release within you until you've touched the hem of the Savior's garment. But something else was there, not only health, not only cheer, but peace. Go in peace, or go into peace. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding. It's part of the great package of God's salvation in Christ. The salvation which this woman experienced. But secondly, notice in closing the confession which this woman expressed. 
And when she saw that she could not be hid, says Mark, she came forward and told him all the truth. And Luke tells us here, she declared unto him before all the people. My friend, I want to say this, though the touch of faith may be inconspicuous, inherent in the very grace that God ministers to us through Christ, in salvation is the power to confess. And that's why scripture after scripture is heaped up throughout the New Testament to show that there is no such a thing as salvation without confession. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus is Lord and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Jesus Christ ever calls for this. Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. And this woman came and she told him all the truth before them all. And no one went home happier that day than the woman who had touched the hem of the Savior's garment and experienced not only salvation, but who expressed her confession of faith in her Lord. And we don't come into the fullness of our manhood or our womanhood until we meet Jesus Christ. And we as nobodies become somebodies when we meet Jesus Christ. You came into this place unknown. You hid in the crowd. You've listened to the word in the exposition of truth. You thought you were hidden. But something has stirred within you. And you stretched out your hand and you say, I've lost faith. In everything. I've been let down in every instance of my life. You tell me the only one I can trust is Jesus. Yes. And you stretched out the hand of faith and touched the hem of his garment. Come and tell him everything. Openly confess it tonight. Oh, touch the hem of his garment. And thou too shall be free. His saving power this very hour shall give new life to thee. Well, Dad, this is such a powerful story and, and so touching. And it's interesting that uh, you titled it the way you did, A Nobody Who Became a Somebody. And I know that that's a, a special title. It's a special title because I searched how I could embody what that story is all about and I read a sermon by C.H. Spurgeon in which he entitles this miracle in terms of those words, a nobody who became a somebody. And I think it's perfect. Hey, I do too. A great title and, and a marvelous message and so needed in our day. Uh, Dad, you highlighted this woman's courage and her determination. This may be a difficult question, but, but which came first, the faith or the courage, the faith, or the determination? I believe faith came first. She had tried every doctor in town. And socially, medically, and spiritually, physically, there was no hope. But she believed that if she could only reach the hem of Christ's garment, all would be changed. And, of course, it was understood 
that that's where virtue was. Jesus said, in fact, I perceive that virtue's gone out of me. The disciples tried to stop this woman from getting anywhere near, but she got near, and she touched the hem of his garment and was instantly healed. But it's interesting, David, that Jesus doesn't want us to keep this to ourselves. As soon as that touch of faith reached the hem of his garment, he knew that something had gone out of him. We preachers know what that means. For every time I preach, virtue goes out of me. And he insisted, somebody has touched me. And Peter said, Lord, the people are thronging you, literally thronging you. That's what the word means. How can you say somebody has touched you? He insisted, somebody has touched me. And when the woman saw she couldn't be hid, she came forward and told him, all the truth. That's where the courage came. Mm -hmm. She confessed her faith in Christ. And that's when Jesus said, go literally into peace. Your faith has made you whole. Well, I've heard it said that no one drifts into a relationship with Christ. And certainly this lady made a conscious decision on that occasion. Is that a pattern for our lives and for the lives of people as they come to Christ? I believe that's so. There's no such a thing as fortuitous conversion. Mm. It's not a chance. It's a touch of faith. This is David Olford. You have been listening to a message from God's Word delivered by my late father, Dr. Stephen F. Olford, who went to be with the Lord in the year 2004. If you wish to learn about our online resources or learning events at the Institute for Biblical Preaching, Our web address is olford.org. That's O-L-F-O-R-D dot org. You also may want to benefit from our online video training on expository preaching, which can also be found on our website. Thank you so much for listening.